The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. And this is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. Hello everyone, welcome once again to another History of the World podcast unscripted with me, Chris Hasler, and uh, this is the usual thing that we do between volumes is publish a weekly episode of unscripted um, and unrelated stuff so we can uh, just keep in touch with one another. It's going to be another couple of months before the fourth volume of the podcast is officially launched. Um, But uh, this week I thought I would go back to introducing one or two spoilers related to the material uh, that you can expect to hear in Volume 4. Now a couple of weeks ago I did introduce the fact that we would be introducing the, uh, the rise of the Islamic Caliphates and the timeline of the Byzantine Empire um, until their ultimate convergence at the fall of Constantinople where... Uh, One would survive and one would not. Um, But, of course, uh, the Islamic world, uh, started by Arabs, the actual conflict uh, between the Byzantines and the Islamic world was actually the Turks. So the Turks came in and um, and pushed the Arabs out and they were actually the ones who came into uh, direct conflict with the Byzantines on that fateful day in 1453. But, of course, uh, that also bypasses somewhat another very important uh, time for the uh, Turkic Muslims uh, when they had to defend Jerusalem from Christian crusaders. And that happened before the fall of Constantinople. So... um, after we uh, after we've done the uh, the store, the timeline of the Byzantines, we're going to go back to European history, and that will ultimately converge uh, with the Crusades. So, in getting to that point, we have to bring Europe from the fall of the Western Roman Empire right up until the eleventh century. So initially we'll be picking up the story from where we left it in Volume 3. So uh, we saw that Southern Europe was dominated by Gothic peoples and uh, they were the main beneficiaries of the fall of Western Rome uh, with the Visigoths taking advantage of their opportunities in Iberia and the lands of the modern country of Spain and um, the Ostrogoths were able to take advantage of a bit of a power vacuum in uh, the Italian peninsula. So they managed to get a foothold there. But of course, as we explored um, in Volume 3 as well, we were aware that the Byzantines, the Eastern Roman Empire, uh, did endeavour to muscle into the Italian peninsula again. They managed to take lands of North Africa and really get, get themselves into a good position to invade the Italian peninsula again but certainly 
uh, it seems that the people of the Italian peninsula were quite indifferent to the interference of the Eastern Romans, much as there was much in the way of Roman culture still existing. Uh, Eastern Romans were very much Greek speakers and by this time were, were somewhat culturally different. So for them, when the Lombards uh, came into Italy in the aftermath of the Ostrogothic uh, rule and when certainly when the Byzantines managed to, to displace the Ostrogoths in Italy, uh, the Lombards came in and um, certainly there, there did seem to be some indifference really by the, the people of the Italian peninsula about uh, whether uh, they would be sort of subject to the Lombards or the Eastern Romans. There really didn't seem to be a lot of uh, traditional Roman loyalty there. So when the Lombards uh, ultimately succeeded, um, they managed to sort of stay put for a while um, it was actually uh, the Carolingians who um, who overthrew them ultimately. And, um, of course, um, when talking of the Carolingians, we have to um, follow that timeline from Volume 3, where the Carolingians, of course, were of French origin. And um, this is when um, we look back on what the origins of France from Volume 3 were the Franks. And uh, the Franks uh, basically became more and more powerful within the lands of France. And um, ultimately, um, one of their more famous rulers was uh, King Charlemagne. And um, he uh, was very much a, like a, we could call a figurehead for the, for the Carolingian uh, Franks and uh, Carolingian France. And uh, so we have to um, we have to sort of follow that timeline as well of um, the preceding Merovingian um, dynasties and and then ultimately the the successful Carolingian dynasties. Um, also, um, we we're, when talking of uh, France moving into the Middle Ages, you can't ignore the politics of Northwest. Europe and, and when I talk of Northwest Europe, I'm talking very much about uh, the Vikings, and the Vikings play a very important role in European history um, at this point. So um, none n none more so uh, than in than in the politics of the British Isles, uh, which the Vikings showed uh, a, very, a great interest in, and by this time, uh, the British Isles, in the absence of of the Romans, had um, had been uh, dominated by Germanic peoples who had uh, crossed over the North Sea and, and began to settle these lands. And we know this period as Anglo-Saxon England. And, and so we'll be looking at the Anglo-Saxons and we'll also be looking at the Viking invasions of um, Anglo-Saxon England, uh, the British Isles, and uh, certainly they, they did uh, move over to Iceland and Greenland and, and even reached parts of North America. And uh, of course, they didn't stop there. They, they went into uh, the lands of uh, France, the, the traditional lands of the Franks, and um, they actually ended up being granted uh, a great portion of land where they, um, a branch of them became the Normans. And so we'll be looking at Norman history. And of course, with Norman history, 
Um, it's not just the conquest of of England, uh, which um, sort of saw the end of Anglo-Saxon and Viking uh, periods of, of British history or English history, as we could call it back then. But also uh, we see the Normans um, venturing into the lands of the Mediterranean as well. So uh, they were they were quite an international group, the Normans, and uh, we always focus very much on the Battle of Hastings. But of course, there's there's a there's a wider story to the Normans, and uh, and their origination was was from the Vikings, as was uh, the uh, the first Russians really. So the the first Russians out of the city of Kiev were the Kievan Rus. And uh, that was uh, also a Viking migration that uh, was the uh, that was the uh, fundamental beginnings of of that period of Russian history. And so we'll be exploring all of that. Um, in exploring all of that, it's going to be um, unignorable to look at uh, the Christianization of many of these cultures. So um, we, we look at certainly the Anglo-Saxons, the Carolingians, the Lombards, all of them experienced the Christianization process. And so we have to look at the religious identity of Europeans back then. And uh, also how um, the, the, the art of feudalism uh, came to pass. And it, the feudalism wasn't necessarily a... a a new thing, but it was a, it was a, a means of um, political control of the land um, by um, it, by granting land to um, f- uh, fiefs, as you could sort of fiefs of land to um, to uh, rulers who would um, then grant military service to the king. So he wouldn't the the, the monarchy wouldn't have to. Uh, govern uh, their their remote lands directly. They could just install someone to um, operate the fief and and then uh, commit to um, mainly military um, offerings to the king himself. So, so we have to look at that as it's a very important part of of European politics around this time. So we'll be looking more closely at that too. Now this is quite interesting for Europe because all of these things sort of go hand in hand and they and there's a progression um and so these fiefdoms this feudal system uh served to um to look after this uh, new attitude in Europe whereby uh, many european peoples looked towards uh the bishops of rome the popes for advice and for uh, approval, if you like, and certainly if uh, if you was a king of a country, to have papal approval was a very important thing, and and this meant that the popes became very powerful and also very military. Um, we we see the pope in the modern age as uh, uh, often an elderly man living in the Vatican City and making state visits and. Uh, and that kind of thing in a very peaceful manner. Uh, it certainly wasn't the case a thousand years ago. The Pope was very much in, involved in military decision making. And um, this led to uh, the conflict when the, when the Turks uh, invaded Jerusalem 
and there was there was great great horror amongst the Christian societies of Europe um, in terms of uh, dealing with that. Originally, the the first uh, Islamic caliphates were were quite religiously tolerant, and um, the the Turkic uh, Muslims were were certainly not, and they were they were very interested in making Jerusalem an Islamic city um, strictly. And uh, this upset the popes and, and so uh, led into the age of the Crusades. So all of this and, uh, and many of the battles surrounding that will be explored in Volume 4. So it will be a very dramatic um, and um, a, a very um, emotive uh, experience for many of the nations and peoples of, of both Europe and Asia during this time. Uh, so that's a little spoiler as to uh, another another batch of the podcast that you can expect, another batch of episodes that you can expect to to hear about in Volume Four. Um, it will be um, it will no doubt be extremely interesting indeed. So I'm going to move on to some listener messages now, and uh, Priyank Sharma, who's um, a History of the World podcast Illuminati member has uh, put, uh, could you help me understand your perspective on something that I've been thinking about for a while? Do you think there's this massive black hole in ancient history that we know nothing about? That history is written mostly by the elite, who are never more than 5%, and the victors. And in a large part of history we know simply nothing of since there survived no written records of the 95% of the population who weren't rich, didn't build large temples, mansions, left behind no artwork and just do not figure in the list of famous personalities. I ask this in the context of Persian and Indian history in particular, but also history in general. Is the story of humanity missing a crucial element just want to know what you think about it thanks for your time reading my message um what a difficult question to answer very difficult question to answer indeed well um yes i I, to be fair i do believe that there's a lot more to find out but whether we will ever find out about it or not um who knows it really is just the case of uncovering archaeological sites so i mean if for example if you go back maybe 200 years um we would have had very little if not any knowledge of, of anything that went on at places such as Mahenjadaro, for example um i think that's a good example in the context of of what of what you're referring to i think it might be naive to think that there was like nothing going on in the Indus Valley after the after the Harappans moved on and before the arrival of the Aryans, um, it's a it's a and it's a very difficult question to answer. I mean, in terms of black holes in history, I think um, I think everyday life. Uh, I think we can get get some sort of perspective from archaeology about everyday life. So, for example, in you know, in, in Dark Age Greece, for example, where there's no writing, we're, we're figuring things out through archaeological evidence. You know, the pottery gives us huge clues about the fact that there was a, 
a dip in organised society and uh, that city-states then re-emerged and then the written evidence supports that. So it's really like fitting together the pieces of a jigsaw. Um, but I tend to look at um, other things and like, I think you stumble across things that make you ask questions. As a historian, you, you sort of, you stumble across things. And so, for example, um, I'm going to go to a completely different era now, prehistory. Um, when uh, they made discoveries of Homo sapiens uh, remains, or what they believe to be Homo sapiens remains in Morocco that were 300,000 years old, which that was a recent event, maybe last year, I think. Um, it made it made us question everything we knew about um, the history of Homo sapiens, which is always traditionally thought of as being in the Great Rift Valley. But from my perspective. Um, this could be a trick of history. This could be a trick of the earth. Um, if, you know, I do certainly believe that Homo sapiens emerged in Africa and migrated out of Africa. I, I, I believe that that is the case. However, to, to, sort of, to say that they emerged in Ethiopia or, or they evolved in Ethiopia and Kenya and Tanzania or, or, or any of that area might be missing the point that uh, the Great Rift Valley is very, very uh, good conditions for the preservation of uh, fossilised human bones. Um, if you get a substantial amount of rainfall, the, the, the substance of the earth lends itself to the preservation of, of bones much better than, say, the arid desert where the bones will, will perish. They will absolutely just perish and, 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 we, and we have nothing left. So, um, so the, the fact that the conditions suit, suit the preservation of, of bones could almost be like a trick of saying that, well, these are, this is the only place we found them, therefore it must have evolved there. And I think perhaps um, they, you know, maybe they didn't evolve there at all. It's just that the remains were able to remain in that area of Africa and, and not in other areas. So, um, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. It's just one of those things that when I read about it, it crossed my mind. So, uh, but an interesting question, Priyank, and I, and I do think um, that I, I definitely believe that uh, more archaeological um, discoveries, which inevitably will be found, will cause us to question the history that we already know. I, I firmly believe that, and certainly, um, you know, over the course of the next 100 years, technology will advance to the point where we can uh, discover more and discover it more easily, and um, we can certainly change our perspective on history i think you know when i if you read books that are 50 years old though their our opinion now hasn't changed dramatically so we we haven't it, it tends to just enhance with new discoveries enhance what we already know um but um yeah i certainly do believe priyank that there will you know even in the next 10 years we'll be learning new things about various different cultures and that will be based on discoveries archaeological discoveries and and you know the the most wonderful thing is when we discover texts that uh, actually tell us what was going on so 
yes, Priyanka, I think there are black holes in history, if you if you like to call them black holes, where information is missing or lost. Um, but um, where they are, what they are, and from what age, is anybody's guess. Now then, I got a very lovely uh, message from Rene Razanen, who's put, uh, glad to be on board with your wonderful podcast, Chris. I'm really looking forward to the episode about Iceland. My family and I relocated to Iceland, me from Canada, my husband from Finland, in 2012. Keep up the great work and thank you for sharing your passion with the rest of us. Well, Rennie, um, you mentioned an episode about Iceland. I actually alluded to this. This is a, a special episode. It's not strictly about Iceland but it's about um, an aspect of Iceland. It's about an individual. Um, But I'm not going to reveal too much at this stage. The reason why I'm making this episode is because um, for those members of the History of the World podcast Illuminati who make financial contributions to the podcast, when they reach a particular threshold, I invite them to suggest a topic for a a half-hour episode. And uh, I've actually I've actually written the episode now, so I know that it's good to go. Um, I've just got a plan on when I'm going to publish it, but it will certainly be before the launch of Volume Four. Um, and, it, and it is very intriguing. It, it relates to uh, it relates to Norwegian politics as well, and it's uh, very much firmly uh, from the the Middle Ages. So. Uh, I think uh, it's one to look forward to. It's a very, it's um, it's very much off on a tangent, and uh, it's just strange actually because the one one of the other special episodes we did was about the House of Vassal, which is also um, very strongly related to Scandinavian politics. So um, it's just strange, isn't it, that we've um, that we're going back to the Scandinavian lands and the Nordic lands once again. So, um, but yes, hopefully that will be. Uh, a an enjoyed episode um when i talk of the history of the world podcast illuminati of course i mean those people who uh, make monthly donations to the podcast you can make financial contribution to the podcast and it's always very welcome it does help me to continue to produce podcasts of of good quality and uh, helps me to buy resources reading uh, material and uh, and podcasting equipment and uh, it's all gratefully received and uh, in return I send you gifts and and opportunities and um, you become a lifelong member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati and uh, this week um, I will welcome Judith Sheffer, Kimberly Schluter, Kevin Tolbert and Rennie Razanen who of course sent that last message. Let's read some reviews out this week um we've got 10 out of 10 best history pod from teddy collects in canada who's put as a student with an anthropology anthropology major and history minor this is by far my favorite podcast to listen to upon listening you can tell chris cares not just for the sound quality and experience but also the accuracy of the information given 10 out of 10 would recommend this to anyone with interest in history or anthropology uh, thank you very much teddy collects um 
Aliador 77 from Romania. Fantastic. We couldn't, a review from Romania. Uh, but love it. I was looking for something like this. I started listening to it in 2020. Can't keep away from it. I work long hours. This is the highlight of my day. And uh, finally, we've got a review uh, from Australia from Drip, 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 Drop, who's put, can't think of a better way of living through a pandemic COVID-19 than to listen to Chris. I'll be honest, when I first started listening, his English accent made me think of Monty Python. Uh, but it's a brilliantly researched podcast covering everything you ever wanted to know about how humans got where they are today. Fascinating stuff. Thank you, Chris. Definitely worthy of five stars and then some. Well, as ever, I'm always humbled by how uh, how generous everyone is with their comments and and uh, really it's quite quite uh, it blows me away. I, I don't know what to say and and it's quite you know it's borderline embarrassing reading them out sometimes because they're just too too kind, but. Uh, I do like to give you the um, I do like to give you the the respect you deserve for taking the time and effort to write such kind things about the podcast. So thank you. Well, that's it for another week. I'm not sure what's going to be coming up next week. Uh, I think we're still probably a couple of months away from the launch of Volume Four. I think uh, I think maybe October is probably realistic. Um, but uh, I will still keep broadcasting every week and uh, giving you spoilers for Volume 4 and maybe covering topics that maybe I felt should have been given a little bit more attention um, during Volume 3. Um, but um, until that time, uh, don't forget to uh, rate and review the podcast if you enjoy it. And um, obviously, um, as ever, make sure that uh, you endeavour to be good. Come to the History of the World Podcast.com and join all the other hot worlders on our wide range of social media. Why not support the podcast by clicking the Patreon link or buying me a book and becoming a lifelong member of the History of the World Podcast Illuminati? Drop me a line at History of the World Podcast at mail.com and let me know what you thought of this week's episode. See you next time.